Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Stream of Social Consciousness, your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast with your host, Olivia Brown. And something about Drake's Dark Lane demo tapes is not sitting right with me. It's not sitting right with my spirit. Something about it is really unsettling for me. And this is concerning because it's coming from me, a glorified Drake stan. Honestly, I I get it. Yes, Drake is toxic. Drake is overrated. Drake is this. Drake is that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I will say I'm not messing with none of that Millie Bobby Brown information that's circulating about Drake. But for right now, Drake is my problematic fave and has been for the past decade. So, of course, when he dropped this little mixtape, whatever, I was like, oh, let me go support my king, period. And it just wasn't, it wasn't hitting the way that I expected it to hit. There was just a little too much uh, toxicity, a little bit too much going on. And it got me thinking about the ways that I, black woman, relate to Drake because it's all, that's always been the thing, right? Drake gets us. Drake understands us. Drake is sweet. That's our king. That's our baby. Um, but listening to this album, this uh, mixtape, I was like, mm, Drake is reminding me a little bit too much of one of my exes. And I don't like that. But outside of that, You know, we've always related to Drake. That's always been the the thing for us. And that's always, that's kind of been why Drake has had his, his rise in fame. Because everybody comments, says he makes music for girls. And you know what? We're eating it up, period. But I also was thinking about the ways that Black men relate to Drake, would relate to this mixtape. And I was also just thinking about Black men in general in light of recent news, um, just in light of everything, Black men in terms of the Black community in general. So that's what we're going to be talking about on today's episode. Let's get into it. Splash! You have now entered the stream, and honestly, I feel like an episode about Black men, their relationship to Black women, their relationship to everybody in the Black community, their relationship to the Black community, period, could go on forever. Like, literally could go on for eons. Uh, But one, because of Ronald, we don't know if we got that long. And two, I think that it's very relevant to be having this conversation right now. I've wanted to do this episode for a while, but I'm like, you know what, vibe, let me sit back, let me let me vibe, let me see what's, what's going to play out. Um, and there are lots of things, like I mentioned, that have got me rethinking about this topic um, in the current time. So starting off with what I was talking about with Drake, this little mixtape is just, oh, it's just not... It's just, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it. It just, when I listened to it originally, I was like, this is so toxic. (laughs) This is so messy. I was like, damn, I see why this nigga be hanging out with Future. And I feel like 
because I know I love Drake so much, I feel like I I wear my rose-colored glasses and I don't see any red flags, but I listen to this mixtape. And though some of the songs do like, they slide, I'm not going to lie, but listening to the lyrics, I'm like, oh, this man is insane. And there was a an article that kind of critiqued the album and wrote up the album. And here's what they had to say. And I, I hate that I love this quote because when I tell you they picked Drake up by the wig, slung him around, and then just proceeded to scream into the wig and throw it away, that's what they did. So I'm going to read this quote and we're going to talk about it. So the article says, quote, but for all of Drake's strengths, he has not evolved past the tensions that have defined this half of his career. The sulky revenge fantasies of a petulant man-child. <laughs> Why are they reading him? Oh my gosh. But um, anywho, the sulky revenge fantasies of a petulant man-child who is capable of loyalty to men, but treats all women with suspicion. He remains in a suspended state of something resembling teenage boyhood in which he is constantly aggrieved, but never accountable. As ever, Drake finds new ways of expressing escalating amounts of pettiness. Oh my gosh. Instead of snow tires and designer purses, the women he dates now want butt lips and LASIK eye surgery. Instead of tracking their mileage on his Bugatti, he sends a friend to take back a gifted car. Again, this is an excerpt from a Pitchfork article reviewing the mixtape. I'll link it in our little description notes, whatever you want to call them below, so you all can read the full thing. But this little excerpt, I feel, is an accurate representation of not only Drake, but a lot of men. And I think that this mindset that men have and these, these tendencies, these toxic traits, whatever you want to call them, that men, especially Black men, have. These traits tend to show up and manifest themselves in the most oppressive ways that they can against people who are not straight Black men. So for me, in recognizing these behaviors, recognizing all of these things, uh, all of these things to be true. I think this is when we really start to pick apart the conversation of why niggas ain't shit. Why we always talk about niggas ain't shit. It's because niggas do things like what Drake is describing in this mixtape. So of course, when topics surrounding police brutality and topics surrounding injustices that disproportionately affect Black men arise, the Black community is going to step, period. But you can't also help but think like, damn, I am stepping for this person who doesn't respect me. I'm stepping for this person who oftentimes chooses other, other people before they choose me, who who hold very dangerous and violent sometimes ideologies about my experiences, I am also fighting for this person. And it's a very difficult dissonance to, to deal with. But I think as a community, we, we feel these pains as a community, of course. That's why we do this. But I think it's important still for us to have a conversation about the way that Black men impact everybody who isn't a Black man. Um, 
because I think it'll allow us to be more coordinated, more mindful, more everything. You know, when you know better, you do better. And I think this is this is the conversation to start unlocking that, okay, how do I know better scenario? When you think about it objectively. Um, and I ask that because I have um, someone that I follow and she creates videos kind of discussing um, just social topics, things of that nature. And she posted a video once kind of talking about uh, men's socializations. And I, if I can find it, I will try my best to link it directly in our description. If not, I will link her at and y'all can go find it yourselves because you know, independence, autonomy. I love that. I love that. (laughs) But she posted this video and she was kind of talking about how men are socialized to be ancient. All men are socialized to be ancient. But I think when we talk about Black men specifically, in the Black community, their socializations are ancient. So naturally, in order to gauge the thoughts about the Black men in the Black community, I went to my Instagram because that's where you get that quality, firsthand, qualitative research, period, poo. And that's on my degree. Um, But I asked on Instagram, you know, what is important to talk about when we have this conversation and lots of things came up, you know, toxic ideas of masculinity, misogyny and homophobia and transphobia, ideas about childhood, ideas about growth, ideas about just how niggas ain't shit, period, ain't ever gonna be shit. And let's start there. We can all admit niggas ain't shit, but is that their fault? And when we have this conversation, is it important to have some type of, um, I don't know, some type of separation of self, some type of ob- objectivity when we think about it? Because is it niggas' fault that they ain't shit? Seriously, you know, if you, one of my favorite things that niggas say, I love when niggas be like, oh, I'm just a product of my environment. I don't know. That's not... <laughs> That's not how they sound, but that's how they sound in my head. Just very like, you know, niggas don't be caring about nothing. So that's the voice they give me in my head. Just very, oh, I'm just a product of my environment, honey. Oh, everything's out of my control, period. Oh. <laughs> okay, now, but seriously, all people are products of their environment. Yes, but I think men, and when we think about in the Black community, the way that someone is socialized, the way that someone is taught as they grow up, the way that young black men are taught to to be the ways that they are, it, it really is a long, 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 long process of socialization. And these socializations include toxic ideas about masculinity. They include toxic viewpoints about about queerness they include toxic ideology about women they include a lot of toxicity and as a woman as someone who is a, a lot of times a direct experiencer someone of direct experience <laughs> with uh these toxicities it's frustrating because something that i truly 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 believe in is once you know that something is an issue and you don't do anything to change it, that problem is now your fault. That problem is your problem. 
Um, so like, if you know, it, you can live your whole life not knowing that you talk loud, but once you know you talk loud and you know that it bothers everybody and you still make no move to, to shut the fuck up after all of your friends have cut you off because you talk loud, that problem is your problem because you knew what it was. And that's how I feel about, about this conversation about a lot of black men is that a lot of them know this. A lot of them can articulate this when they say, I'm a product of my environment, honey. That's, that's how they sound. And y'all are going to let me have it. But when they say, oh, I'm a product of my environment, they can articulate this. And they can articulate the things that they learn. And they also can receive when women, when queer people, when trans people, when when all types of marginalized people tell them that the ways that they grow up are not are not helpful then they receive that message. They can understand and then articulate it back to you. But then a thing changes. And that's what's frustrating with Black men. And that is that is what overall, in addition to the socialization, that complacency, that knowing what the issue is and not doing shit about it, that also contributes to your ancientness. And I think outside of the complacency, outside of them being socialized to be this way, Black men are also argumentative. Black men be wanting to argue you down about their wrongdoings, about literally any transgression that you call them out on. And I think that coupled with the complacency is what's frustrating because it's like, like I mentioned, I am am putting all of myself out here to protect you. And you won't even do the internal work associated with with being better to protect me. And and that's what's frustrating. And and the reason I mentioned that is because, or the reason I mentioned um, this conversation and how men ain't shit and black men ain't shit and all of this, in the midst of, of, these conversations around police brutality is because that that is kind of how it is where everyone who isn't a black man is always going to show up in in when these tragedies occur and it's just disappointing and it gets frustrating and it always feels like we're hitting a wall because everyone who isn't a black man and is also a black person is not exempt from these tragedies black women are dying black queer people are dying and it may not be at the same rate as Black men, but they we are still dying together. We celebrate the wins that come from collective organizing um, surrounding Black male death as a community. But it's very hard for us to, to do so when it comes to Black trans women dying. It's very hard for us to do so when it comes to Black gay men dying. It's very hard for us to do do so and celebrate these wins collectively as a community when it comes to, because when it comes to Black trans women, when it comes to marginalized people in the Black community, we don't show up as a community for these people. Even right now, in the midst of Ahmaud Arbery and Sharon Reed's death, or murders rather, Nina Pop and Breonna Taylor are, are equally important are equally worthy of having a light shined on on the injustices that happened to them. And as a community, we we have the capacity to to lift these stories up. And it's just very telling that we do not. 
And I think going back to black men, men period, not being shit. I think it's things like this that show where your priorities are. And I think for people who aren't black men, but who are also black from the outside looking in, it looks very selfish. And I think that men as men, just period, have that privilege to be selfish, to be entitled, to expect the world to revolve around them. And of course, this is an extenuating circumstance um, where murder, police brutality, death, all of these things are involved. But even in our smaller interpersonal relationships, men are selfish, period. We know that. Niggas are selfish. Niggas don't think about nothing but themselves. And I think it's frustrating to see it on that small level because when it gets on these larger levels and it's time for some type of collective organizing, a collective front, it can happen, but it doesn't go far enough. And I think, like all things, that this is a trend, this is a pattern, and I think it also is representative of a larger cultural, Black cultural thing that we may need to work on as a Black community, but we don't have time for it in this podcast episode. Uh, However, back to Black men. Black men, I implore you very deeply. You know, when I be pulling out the the words, the vocabulary, I'd be serious. I implore you very deeply to, to recognize the role that you play in the Black community, to recognize the role that you play with your friends, recognize the roles that you have played with women, because, sis, even, even on, like I said, even on the smallest, most interpersonal, me, you level there is, niggas still ain't shit. I don't get it. It's not like they just ain't shit in the grand scheme of the world. No, niggas ain't shit on the micro level. Lil' TJ... That little piece of shit put Ruby Road. Okay, pause. Pause. It's kind of related. Kind of not. But is. But isn't. So, Lil TJ, uh, a couple weeks ago, is a rapper. He put Ruby Rose, who apparently is another rapper. Never heard of her my entire life. But um, he turned 19 and said, hey, Ruby Rose, let me flew you out. And... We're going to do what we do, you know, and I'm going to buy you the flight back. So he gets on the internet, on Snapchat, what it looks like, and is like clowning homegirl, like, oh, I'm not about to buy your flight. I'm not buying you a flight. Da, da, da. She's getting big mad. She's like, oh, you said you're going to buy my flight. Long story short, he ended up buying the flight. And I was so confused because it's like, so you did all of that. You capped so hard and so for so long to still buy this flight. And this is what I'd be talking about. This is what I'd be talking about. This is what I am literally currently at this moment talking about. Black men are so obsessed with embarrassing Black women, of, of being superior to marginalized Black communities. And for what reason, I don't know. For what reason do you want to treat? For what reason do you want to treat your queens that way? For what reason do you want to treat your brothers and sisters that way? I don't understand. And you know what's crazy is that um, a lot of people say, or I have seen, I don't know if a lot of people say, but I have seen a lot of people say 
that a lot of Black men would be Republicans if it weren't for the racism in the Republican Party. And I just think about little, 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 little stuff like Lil TJ and little, little, little toxicities like like what Drake was talking about in that album. Not saying that in either one of them are Republicans. I don't know what they got going on. But apparently there is an app. There is an app or some type of website or something that will tell you what celebrities' political parties are. And child, <laughs> let me find out. Let me find out. But anywho, um, these little, 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 little things are showing that, one, you don't respect me. You don't value me. You don't fucking take me seriously. You think I'm a joke. You're only here, like the little article excerpt said, in order to impress other men. But where does that get us? And I think that that is that sentiment. These sentiments are kind of reflective of, of the larger issue at hand where men, Black men, are so focused on power. They're so focused on, on being high and mighty. They're so focused on networking among other, uh, other men, networking among white people, because, okay, I see y'all Black men who, who only want to show your most charming self when white men are around or, or, or be your most charming self, your most, your most put together self when white women are around. I be seeing y'all too. I see y'all who get on Twitter and TikTok and call black women roaches and, and all types of things. I see y'all because that the thing is, the reason I bring up that, that quote about, you know, a lot of black men would be Republicans is that a lot of black men cannot tune their antennas <laughs> they can't tune their antennas on the collective because their struggles their fight is for power their fight is for privilege their fight is not for the collective their fight is for self and as a man that type of entitlement that type of selfishness like I just mentioned that is something that you have a privilege to do that is something that is a privilege and it's just, it's interesting to see the way that male privilege plays itself out in the Black community among Black men, because for one, I think that privilege oftentimes blinds Black men to the struggles of marginalized members of the Black community. But two, I just think it's interesting seeing the way that Blackness and, and male privilege plays out just in general, because male privilege, patriarchy, patriarchy? Oh, baby, we are in the stream today. We are in the stream of social consciousness today. But uh, male privilege, patriarchy, these things are so deeply embedded in our society, so deeply embedded in our culture that they get you so far. You can do so much and be so much just by being a man, a, a, a straight cis man. And... I think the opposite <laughs> a lot of times is true for blackness. You you're so restricted. There are so many the discriminatory little things in society set up to specifically keep black people away from the types of success, the types of wealth, the types of whatever that non-black pe black people have access to. So the way that this 
very, 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 very negative identity interacts with this very, 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 very positive identity in the overall community is just very interesting to me. Because like I said, I do think that for Black men, it becomes this self-ideology where if it's benefiting myself, great. If it's benefiting other people who look like me, meaning other straight Black men, straight cisgender Black men, great. But in the event that any, any, anything goes against my personal code, goes against self, I'm not here for it. And I don't think, I think that that ideology is dangerous. Black men, if you're listening. And ultimately, I think that that ideology in Black men is a barrier to lots of interpersonal understanding, intercommunity healing, and progress as a whole. So like I mentioned, it's important to remember that a lot of the things that we critique Black men for and will critique Black men for are things that they are socialized to be. And can we ultimately blame them? Yes. (laughs) We absolutely can. Because like I said, once you know these things, once you are able to, to identify these things and articulate these things, that is your catalyst to change them. So for example, because I love a good tangible example. I love a good teachable moment. For example, one of my followers shared that um, something that they thought would be important to mention in this episode would be uh, mentioning how there are Black men who were not um, cared for well by their mothers and how that plays a role in their development in, in general. And I think thinking about that story it would be very easy to say, you know, you know, it's on moms. Moms ain't do it right. It's okay for me to go be a terror for the rest of my life. No. Um, they also mentioned that they kind of use this, uh, use that knowledge of knowing that they have this relationship or lack thereof with their mother as their like jumping off point for healing. And ultimately, to the Black men, to the people who love Black men, to the people who are going to go and send this episode to Black men, which you should be doing. I think that instances like that and just instances of childhood, instances of, of socialization in general are important to look at because they're always going to be, not always, but a lot of the times they can be leverage points for your own personal growth. And I think it's important to say that when Black men grow, we all eat. I don't know why it takes Black men so long to get on the bus. We all just sit on the bus, strapped in with our seatbelts on, waiting on Black men to join the party so we could roll out. But they still here. Y'all still here trying to call everybody a roach, kind of trying to call everybody gay, trying to do this, trying to do that. What you need to be doing, Black men, is focusing on what socializations have made you toxic. What socializations have made you bad to women? What socializations have made you bad to other people? Because I think once you're able to identify essentially what made you this way, <laughs> you're able to identify these these triggers. You're able to identify these socializations. You'll be that much more equipped to understand what does toxic masculinity mean for real, for real? What does it mean for you? What 
types of relationships have you had with people? How have you hurt them? How have your privileges hurt them? And what do you do then? And that actually is the perfect segue into my unsolicited advice for this episode. I feel like I could talk about this forever. (laughs) And I think I just might. I I really do think I just might. Um, Let me know if you want a part two to the Black Kings episode. But my um, unsolicited advice for this episode is actually for Black men. Wow, what a shocker. So black men, get you a therapist. If it's accessible to you, if you have the means to, get you a damn therapist. Go to therapy. Go to therapy. Go to therapy. All of the things that I just mentioned, that whole internal process that helps not only you, but helps black women and queer folks and other black members of the community around you, that process is facilitated very well through a therapist. I think that, I think that everybody needs a therapist for sure, but I think black men, y'all need therapists because there are so many things to unpack. There's racialized trauma, there's male related trauma, there's your own unique experiences that you can unpack. Go to therapy, go to therapy, go to therapy, go to therapy, go to therapy. Period. Because if I have to hear one more nigga say I'm traumatized because my girlfriend in the third grade didn't want to share her bubble gum with me, so now I treat women poorly, I'm going to explode. If y'all just hear a big boom, that's me exploding. That's going to be me. And you can avoid that, Black men, by going to therapy, Kings. And just a little honorable mention advice, Black women, stop raising these niggas. Stop raising these niggas. Stop using your fabulous mental capacity to to raise these niggas. I know, I know, I know it feels like the payoff is, is worth it, but this is a process that they have to do alone. Not alone, but this is a process that they have to decide to do, that you can't decide for them and that you can't raise them into. So stop raising these niggas. Go chase a bag. But before we officially close off this episode, I do want to say, Black men, I love you. Y'all are so fine. Y'all are so excellent. Y'all are so wonderful. Y'all are kings, period, point blank, menstruation, hydration, exclamation. Y'all are it. Y'all get on my nerves. Y'all ain't shit at all. But you don't have to choose to stay ain't shit, as we've learned. Um, And ultimately... Black men, I love you, love you, love you, love you so much, but y'all can do better and should. Remember that you can ask me for advice by sending an email to streamthestream at gmail.com and and your situation will potentially be featured on a Stream of Social Consciousness episode. Who doesn't want your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast's host giving them advice? Because I know I sure do. So send me an email, stream to stream at gmail.com, and I will give you some advice. But if you don't, I'm going to keep giving out unsolicited advice to the quarrels. Okay, period. But thank you all for listening to this episode of Stream of Social Consciousness. I definitely think that there are so many conversations that could be had that could go on for hours and hours and hours. And like always, I don't think that this is going to be the first of this type of conversation we have on this podcast. 
But I think given current events that it's important for us to both look both look externally at the grand scheme of the world, but also look internally on, on some of these dissonances that people may experience. And ultimately let's not let any of our brothers and sisters murders be in vain. Please, please, please donate, uh, sign petitions. I will have a couple linked in our description box um, for all of the murders of all of the folks that I have mentioned in this episode and all of the ones that I haven't. Um, let's keep them uplifted and let's keep their stories relevant. And yes, thank you all for listening. I will catch you in the next one.